This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It was the day Michelle Knight had prayed for, for almost 11 years. Hidden away in a house of horrors on Seymour Avenue, she had been chained, starved, raped, and tortured every single day of her captivity. Despite suffering unthinkable abuse at the hands of her captor, Michelle had an unbreakable will to live. On May 6, 2013, Michelle heard loud thuds coming from the floor beneath her. The moment she saw a police badge shine through the open door, she was free. It was a miracle in Cleveland, and Michelle Knight, who now goes by Lily Rose Lee, has lived to share her story of survival. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. Ten years ago, Lily, along with Amanda Berry and Gina De Jesus, made headlines across the country when they were rescued from the deteriorating and dilapidated house of Ariel Castro, a bus driver for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District. Lily was the first victim of Castro when in August of 2002, he lured, tricked, and kidnapped her outside of a local family dollar store. Lily then entered a hellish nightmare. Eight months later, Castro kidnapped 16-year-old Amanda Berry, forcing her to experience the same torture. And the following year, Castro kidnapped yet another young girl, 14-year-old Gina De Jesus. Together, the three girls were held hostage, unable to speak to each other, prevented from showering, violently abused, never breathing fresh air. Due to the violent abuse Lily endured on a daily basis, she is unable to have children today. She required facial reconstruction surgery, is legally blind in one eye, and lost hearing in one ear. During the years she was held captive, Lily became pregnant five times. Each time, Castro would beat her until she miscarried. Castro pled guilty to 937 of the 977 charges against him, including charges of kidnapping, rape, and aggravated murder. Under the plea deal, Castro forfeited his right to appeal and could not profit in any way due to his crimes. Castro was sentenced to consecutive life terms in prison, plus 1,000 years, all without any possibility of parole, and fined $100,000. The court forfeited all of his property and assets to the county government. One month into his life sentence, Castro died by suicide. He lasted one month of incarceration. Lily, Amanda, and Gina endured 11 years of captivity. 
With a spirit that could not be shattered, Lily perseveres and continues to live her life to the fullest. Unleashed Animal Rescue is the result of a promise Lily made to herself while in captivity, vowing to create an animal rescue once she was freed. Now, Lily works to provide animals with love, protection, and support by finding them forever homes. Today, Lily joins me to share her remarkable story of survival and how she's making a difference in the world today. Ever since I was a little girl, I always wanted to take care of animals, but mostly because I went through a traumatic experience with my family. And animals, um, I guess me helping animals, and I realized that animals were helping me at the same time. So with being through a traumatic experience for 32, three, 32 years of my life, it's like I was blessed to have this opportunity to surround myself with exotic animals, um, like birds, reptiles, um, uh, squirrels, and all kinds of different little furry creatures. So being able to do that and being able to have that strong connection and that bond is, it's mystical. It's like, it's something that's unheard of, unspoken of, because a lot of people see a pet as just being a pet. They don't see it as being a a tool to for therapy or for, you know, a companion. They see it as just a pet. Right. I love dogs. I love animals. I'm the same. And I work with a lot of nonprofits. Yours sounds amazing. And a common theme in a lot of those nonprofits is the notion of two souls rescuing each other. And that, yes. you know, for example, dogs that are slated for euthanasia, a human comes in and rescues that dog. But in reality, the dog is rescuing them. And in a lot of this, these different yes. arenas, yeah, like incarcerated individuals, individuals with PTSD, uh, soldiers returning home from deployment. And from war, yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's like what people don't realize is that my organization not just owns only helps animals, but it also helps, like what you just said, veterans, um, domestic violence cases where women are, you know, distraught, just uh, feels destroyed inside. But when they meet one of my precious little angels, their face just lights up, and they're a whole nother person. It's like they still have the memory, but they have this little precious gift that God gave them to help them through their struggles. Exactly. And part of it, I think, is oftentimes trauma victims feel that they are not worthy of love and affection. And in these animals that have unconditional love and support for them, all of a sudden it's being reminded, yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are enough. Yes, you are worthy of love and affection and companionship and joy, which has been denied a lot of these people. Yes, and that's what I exactly give to some of the uh, some of the animal and the humans that come in, because some of them are children of abuse and they don't feel comfortable talking to a human. Yeah. They don't feel comfortable telling their story. I give them a chance to express how they feel in a positive way without without the white coats or the therapist or, you know, somebody just eating at them, like saying, you know, da-da-da-da-da, 
for me, for instance, the reason why I always connected with animals versus humans is because I was told by a therapist that I was creating my own self-pain, that I was doing this to myself. And the first thing that I said to him is, how dare you say something like that? What if your child was in my position? What would you say to her? Would you say the same thing you just told me? Or would you say something different? That's really phenomenal. You had that reaction as a child to stand up for yourself and your agency and say, no, no, no. And what, what, what did the therapist respond when you pushed back? She said, I would not treat my child like that. Well, I would say, for the same common courtesy, I respect you not to uh, disrespect me in that way. Yeah. Can you share just how people can find Unleashed Animal Rescue? So I'm located in Wilson, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready yet for anybody to come out, but very soon I will be. I just got my first building done and my second one is on the way. So the first one is going to have feather friends in it. So for anybody out there that doesn't realize, I do take in surrendered birds. I also take in surrendered furry creatures as well. That means kitties, puppies, you know, things like that. And I also take in reptiles, amphibians, and tortoises. And I also dabble in a little bit of farm animals as well. A lot of people don't realize like the tremendous uh, need for rescues. Because in Ohio, I'm the first in Ohio that takes a wide range of different animals. A lot of places only take in dogs or cats or, you know, bunnies. Some people just take in farm animals. But I take in a wide range of everything. That's so helpful, too, because oftentimes if someone's in a position where they can no longer care for all their animals or maybe have died unexpectedly, then they have a diversity of animals. So now you provide the place where, you know, a family member can have ensure that all of their loved ones' animals stay together without having to find placement. I also buddy system with the uh, the hospice. So if a person was passing in dog or bird or a little pet pig, I do give my assistance because I want them to go to the best homes they possibly can go to. And I want to reassure the loved ones that are passing on that their animals are going to be loved and not euthanized. I'm a non-kill rescue. I do not. And I don't feel comfortable with doing it. Um, the only time that they do go that route is if it, there's no hope. That means they would literally have to be on their last limb. Lily, bless your efforts and your work. This You are caring for God's creatures, which are so important. And I think what you just described, where you partner with hospice and reassure those who are in their sunset moments that their loved ones will be cared for, um, I think that's an incredible gift that really can't be overstated. So thank you. That's really, that's really thank incredible you. work. We're going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Let's talk about, if we can, the trauma that you mentioned a moment ago. Can you tell us what happened on August 23rd, 2002? 
I was abducted by my best friend's father. I didn't know it was going to happen. I really, when I got in the car, I was like, you know what? He's going to be a cool person. I've met him a couple times with um, his daughter. And, you know, we went skating. We did all kinds of different things. I didn't think nothing of it until we got into his house. What did he say to have you get in the car with him? I was asking a question to one of the store ladies and he overheard it and he says I know exactly where that's at because I was on my way to get my son back so I can you know get the proper paperwork so I can do the proper steps and you know things like that and I already had an apartment and all that stuff so it was like I was on my next step so when I bumped into him walking out of the store, he says, I overheard you talking. I know where that place is at. I can take you. You know, me being me, because I already knew him, I didn't really think nothing of it. So I got into a car. And you said when you got to his house, everything changed. Can you describe what happened then? So as we were getting out of the car, he locks the gate. He also locks the door behind us. And at that time, you know, I thought in my head, okay, we're in a bad neighborhood, so that's understandable. And then as we're going in the house and we're walking up the stairs, that's when everything kind of like my heart started beating faster. I started contemplating in my head like, um, this is not right because he is, before we had went in the house, he said he had puppies in the house. And this is at the point where we were already up the stairs. So it was already too late to run up the door. And there was nowhere else to run because it was a hallway. So as I'm up the stairs, um, he, tor- he turns and says, the puppies are in that room. I walked straight, walked into the room. He slams the door. That's when everything went, went haywire. And he said, you'll never see your son again. Um, even if you did, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't give him back to you. And he ripped up my son's picture right in front of me as he's going through my things. And during this moment, so the door is shut. Is this a bedroom that you're in? It was kind of like a closet. At first, there was no restraints. He just started undressing himself. And I'm pretty sure you know what happened next. After that happened, he had tied me up with a stension cord where he was wrapped around my neck, my hands are tied around my back, and my legs were tied as well. And there was a pole that hanged across his room that was like literally stuck on the wall. He tied me up to that and I was this far from the ground. So I had nothing to lay on. And most people, like somebody told me that the way I describe it is like I was an ornament on the wall, like the fish that's hanging. And I tell people that's not a very funny, uh, but, you know, you know, people try to make jokes about it. And I say that's not very funny. Do you remember all of those moments or are there chapters that you don't remember? I would say I remember almost everything. I would say it never goes away, but I can say that I'm moving forward. Can you speak about the 11 years that you then spent under his captivity? I would say the 11 years that I spent in his house was pure hell. Sorry. Um, And 
it was one torturous moment after the next. From being hit by a barbell, from being thrown down the stairs, from being told that I was worthless and nobody was looking for me, from him, countless animals that he had killed in the house. I watched. Um, one experience was the one day that I tried to run away and I tried to stay. I really didn't want to be there anymore. And the day that he left my chain unlocked, it's a day that I took that moment and I said, I got to get out of here. And as I was walking down the stairs, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I held the puppy that he gave me so close to my heart. And I didn't realize he was not gone. He jumps from behind a dark corner, throws me to the ground picks me back up, slams on the back of my neck, and then takes the puppy that I'm holding in my hands and breaks his neck in front of me. And then after that, I vowed to protect animals because they have no voice. So I want to be their voice. And I'm going to speak up as loud as possible. They deserve love just like we do. They deserve to be a family just like we have. We shouldn't harm our children, our wives, our husbands, or anybody for that matter, just because we're angry at the world or something's going wrong in our life. I would say if there is something going wrong in your life, turn to God, ask him to help you. Ask him to give you guidance. It may not come right away, but it will come. Look at me, for instance. I prayed my whole entire 11 years that someone wouldn't come rescue me or God gives me the chance to run. And he finally gave us that chance in May when we all rescued ourselves. And we are the true hero of our own story. Yes, you are. Can you share for people who are just hearing your story for the first time, can you share who the other young women were? Yes, there was two young women that came right shortly after, I would say a year apart. And one was named Georgina de Jesus and the other one was Amanda Berry. Both of them was sweethearts. They're super cool. They, we shared a traumatic experience. And no matter what we go through in life, I wish them all the best, including the precious little baby that Amanda had. They deserve everything in the world. And we are living. We're here. And I'm so proud of who we became and who we are now and what we are doing for other people and for ourselves. During those years that the three of you were together, were you allowed to talk to each other and um, grow your relationships together? In or secret, were you- um, because he was basically like a drill sergeant. You say what I do and when I say it. And he made sure that we couldn't talk. And when we did talk, it's like we had to make sure we were very careful that he didn't find out because he didn't like it. You mentioned 
before that part of the reason that you trusted him in the beginning was because he was your friend's father, which was the same situation for Amanda and Gina. Did you wonder during those years, did you wonder if that daughter, your mutual friend, if she would ever be able to come to the house, if there was ever a chance that you all could be heard or overheard or found by his family members? I would say during this time that we were held captive, he literally played a, a, a two-faced card. In other words, Jacqueline Hyde. Mm-hmm. He would be one way to his family and another way to us. And what he did when his family came over, which I'm pretty sure they never heard a sound because he had two large ants in his house that he blared. I'm surprised the cops wasn't even called. Every time his family would come over, he will blast that. He, uh, his band will come over. There's times I heard people talking downstairs and I, there's not anything that I can do. And by one, I think I was watching a story where one of the band members said, he always told me that it was the dog upstairs making the noise. It was me banging my headboard against the wall trying to get help. Were you punished when you were trying to get help? Audibly? Yes. Um, the day that I did that, he came upstairs and he hit me on the left side of my face with a barbell right about here. And I'm legally blind in the left eye and deaf in the left ear. But you're so strong. You're so strong. Um, during that time, did it feel like your days lasted forever? Was it a slow time for you? Or at times, did it say, seem I to... I kind of feel like what people feel like in jail. Mm-hmm. That is slow, painful, agonizing, and, you know, you're left with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're left with your thoughts. So what I try to do to help me with my time being there, even though it was like a little depressing girl, all of Controls, uh, you know, carriers and trying to be happy, but I was never happy. Yeah. I was never happy go lucky, but I always had that faith that I would be rescued and I would get out of there safe and sound. Yeah. I may not be fully the same person, but I'm a whole new me. That's right. That's right. Um, during that time, did you have a concept of time? Did you have access to? calendars or any type of television or anything that would tell you what day it was? I would say television, but even then we kind of got the television taken away from us sometimes, especially when the other two girls family would come on. He took my TV, I think, for a year when Amanda was abducted um, because he didn't want me to know there was another girl in the house. So I didn't for a I would say year and two months, I didn't have a TV. I didn't get a TV until um, Gina came into the house. And when I seen that, I he told me that it was his girlfriend's daughter. And I said, yeah, no. And I just looked at him like, yeah, you're lying to me. And I know this, this, this girl is not who you say she is and it's like come on let's be real i'm already in a situation i don't want to be in you don't have to lie any more than you already have so like timing and 
everything was literally impossible to know. All I knew is when it was dark and light. That's when he would leave in the morning and he would come home at night. And you were you're, you were so brave and so strong throughout the entire those entire eleven years, Lily. And part of that was you speaking up, as you just said, you know, about when he kidnapped the other two young women. You you spoke up against it and you were punished for it. But can you describe how you felt when you realized? I would say like when I realized what was happening and who it was, I knew exactly what they were going through and I knew they were younger than me. And I kind of felt like I wanted to rescue them, but I couldn't. I was in the same position that they were in. And it was like literally impossible to stay sane knowing that right next door to you or right in the next room there was abuse happening and then the next room after that the same thing you know like your your brain is like i can't fathom how a person could be such a monster during that time did you have any access to windows or fresh air at all no and when we did um we were chained and there's a gun really close by. And when you did, what would that look like? Would it be sitting outside or would it be? I would say the doorway more than likely. Uh, we, one year we got to see the fireworks. I don't remember what happened um, this one year that we were uh, like seeing the doorway. It was like the kitchen. Like we could see the outside, but we couldn't like go out. Um, he would have a blocker there. And there was a something going on where the police were in the backyard. More of the Fox True Crime podcast coming up. Can you share a little bit more about what, how that felt to see policemen in the yard and whether that at all gave you what feelings you had because of it? So how I thought about that is that for the first time ever, I was able to see from a distance that there was officers in a next door neighbor's yard. And he quickly, you know, basically told us to get away from the door and, you know, rushed us in the, into, into the other area where they can see us. But, you know, the guy told him that was his daughter and you know, stuff like that. But I felt hopeful that one day that he would get caught. And can you share about Amanda getting pregnant and about your experience with that as well? Well, I can say this. I can't say very much about her pregnancy or um, a lot of different things, but I can say I had the opportunity to help her give birth to her daughter. And it was, I would say, an emotional and crazy experience because I was also threatened by the person that just me that if this child ever did pass on or didn't come out alive, that he would kill me. Why was he so intent on having a child with Amanda and so violent with you when you became pregnant multiple times? I don't know. I honestly, to this day, I still don't know. I literally, I don't even ask myself that question because I figured maybe it was just he, he, you know, people pick their favorite. Can you describe 
what happened on May 6th, 2013, when Amanda was able to escape with her daughter. Well, I would say I heard a bunch of chaos noise, which I thought them two were fighting. I didn't really think nothing of, you know, her being, was able to escape or anything. But at the time, I had turned my radio up and I said, I don't want to hear her getting hurt if that's what's happening. And I would say slowly after that, I would say I kept on turning it down, you know, just to, just to see if it was over and it wasn't because you kept on hearing banging. And then after that, I didn't hear anything. So I slowly reached for my door because normally they, um, he locks it the, when he leaves. And so I jiggled the door. The door was unlocked. So I peeked my head out. I said, Amanda, are you okay? You know, I'm taking a chance to saying that, you know, but I was like, Amanda, are you okay? And I didn't hear nothing. I didn't see nothing. And for, I shut the door because I didn't know what was going on because he loved playing games with us. So I didn't know if he was right around the corner or what was going on. So basically when I sat down, I said, I turned to Gina, I said, what if today is the day we go home? What if today is the day we get rescues? Wouldn't it be nice to, you know, share Mother's Day with your mom at home? And she said, yes, that, I would love that. And I peeped out the door again and I started hearing footsteps coming up the stairs. And it didn't sound like, hey, so I heard police, police. And, you know, in my head, because he played a lot of head games, I wasn't really thinking that was actually the police. So I bobbled in between the doors. And so I actually seen something. And then when I seen that badge and I seen the person, I ran into that person's arms like you wouldn't believe and said, never let me go, never let me go. And what did that moment feel like for you? Well, I would say at the time, um, it was it was emotional roller coaster. I didn't know whether or not uh, I had to pinch myself just to believe it was true, literally. And then we walked to the um, we was walking to the ambulance. I noticed a lot of people and um, I started going in and out. I started like feeling like I was about to pass out. So as I'm getting into the ambulance, they give me the oxygen. They give me an IZ, which really hurt. And they told me that everything will be okay. And then as I'm laying there, you know, feeling like I'm about ready to pass out, Amanda, Gina, and the baby reaches out their hands and say, we're going home. And that was the most joyful thing I've ever been through. And in the whole entire time, because I felt like that, that moment that we were actually really free, that this monster was never going to be in our life again. Have you stayed in touch with Amanda and Gina? Unfortunately, no. We actually went our own separate ways and we're trying to live our own lives. Can you share about changing your name? So that's a little piece of me wrapped up into one. So what I mean by that is that my first name is Lily. So Lily's is love, peace at heart. 
Rose is my best friend's mother that took care of me when I was a child when my mother couldn't. And Lee is my son's middle name. Some little pieces of me wrapped up into one. I love that. My middle name is Rose also. So I love love that we share the same middle name now. And um, that name for me was, I was named after five other Roses as well. And it sounds like that's a pretty special name that pretty special people have, it seems like. So Lily, you have made such a positive impact on so many lives through your dedications to saving animals and as we've talked about saving humans at the same time with Unleashed Animal Rescue. And I'd like to give you the opportunity to share a final message with anyone listening um, about your 11 years of trauma or of the good that you're doing now. For everybody out there that thinks it's not possible to give up, get over a traumatic experience, it's possible. And don't ever give up on yourselves. And for people out there that have missing children, remember, they're watching somewhere out there. And even if you don't know it, they are waiting for you to say something special to them every single day. They're waiting for that smile of your face or that cry because they want to reach out and they want to hug you. They want to give you that love that you're sharing to them on that TV. And for people out there that are falling hard times and are unable to take out, take care of their pet, please do not surrender them to a kill shelter. Surrender them to a non-kill shelter. And if you are falling hard times also and you're seeking for help, I will not discourage you from coming. Even if I'm not able to take them in, I will find help for you. Can I share, Lily, what you shared at the sentencing where you said you took 11 years of my life away. I spent 11 years in hell and now your hell is just beginning. I will overcome all that has happened, but you will face hell for eternity. I will live on. You will die a little every day as you think of the 11 years of atrocities that you inflicted on us. I can forgive you, but I will never forget. Lily, it sounds like you are absolutely living true to your word, overcoming all that has happened, living on, and helping others to live on too. That's my sole purpose in life. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. world of business moves fast stay on top of it with the fox business rundown every monday and friday listen to the fox business rundown starting may 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts